Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Now, here's your host, Kara Spady. Hi, I'm Kara Spady, the host of the Hockey Alberta's Center Ice podcast. Throughout the month of June, Hockey Alberta is celebrating National Indigenous Month and Pride. With me today is Kendra Jesse. Kendra is Cree and Ukrainian of the Sucker Creek First Nation. How are you today, Kendra? I'm really good, Karen. Thank you so much for asking. So we got to know each other a couple of weeks ago at the National Aboriginal Hockey Championships in Winnipeg, Manitoba. It was your first time as the head coach of Team Alberta Female. What was that experience like for you? It was an amazing experience. It's something that I have been working towards for the last couple of years. Now I... I had played on the team when I was younger, and so once I got to be a bit older and I'm not playing hockey as competitively, I wanted to get back into the game as a coach. And so I thought that a great place to start would be with the national team because I had a lot of experience playing there, and it was a good way to just get back and contribute. It was a really, really rewarding experience for me. Like Again, like I said, I had been working towards it for a couple of years. I got my Development One certification back in the summer of 2019. And then COVID happened and, you know, the tournament didn't happen for a few years. And so I think it was something that I had been waiting for for a bit. And then when you have a goal that you're working towards and you, you're taking that step. So it's really, it just was really rewarding and really fulfilling for me to be able to, you know, finally achieve that goal of being able to coach with uh, Team Alberta for the national tournament. And it was just, it was a really great learning experience too. Like I learned so much from the experience and, I feel like I really went in with that mindset to just want to learn and just be a sponge and absorb all the things and information that I can. And just learning from the experiences, I think whenever we have opportunities to work with young people, we often think, oh, I'm so excited to to teach them things and to work with them and help them and guide them. But I feel like you, you end up learning a lot from those young people that you work with. And you know, so again, like I learned so much from the players and even my assistant coach, Jason Mercier, he was amazing to work with. He really was supportive and I felt we worked really good together as a team. So it was just an amazing experience overall for me. And I'm, I'm excited to continue trying to contribute it and create a sustainable program for Team Alberta. I think even as that tournament went on, you could see how everyone was learning to play together as a team, how everyone was learning how to bounce off of each other, how, like for you and Jason, how to coach the girls and how they're going to perform better. The female team really did just get stronger and stronger as the week went on. And they ended up bringing home bronze, which was very exciting in a double overtime thriller. Oh my goodness, that game was wild. <laughs> but as you said, that experience kind of came full circle for you because the last time the female team had medaled was actually when you were playing on it back in 2011. What was that like for you to go from being a player and then to the coaching side of it? It's hard to put into words, but again, like you said, that the full circleness of it, it really just, it reminds me that I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right things. And so that's, that's really reassuring for me. And it just, it gives me that hope and, you know, faith that I'm in the right place. And so it gives me that motivation to to keep going, to keep going further, keep working harder. Again, like it's just about too, like making history, like being part of a, the team that won the first medal for Team Alberta back in 2011. And then now being able to be part of that history as a coach and winning the second medal that Team Alberta has ever won. And it's just like those full circle moments. They just really remind me that 
I'm in the right place. And it was really, really thrilling and just anxious being in that, that overtime, you know, that double overtime. And as a coach too, it's like, you have to lead by example, the behaviors and actions that you display, your players are going to feed off that. And so I'm really trying to like, keep my composure, keep my cool and not act like I'm about to just freak out and lose it. But yeah, just trying to really keep calm so that the players are like, okay, we can be calm. We got this. Or, you know, like they see coach as calm and collected on the bench and they're not, you know, they're going to kind of follow action. And so it was, it was really hard to kind of just keep my cool. And the ref thing too, it went, the ref thing was a little frustrating that game. Like they were missing a lot of calls. So I was trying to really keep my cool with that and not get angry or freak out. I feel like the, the coaching aspect of hockey, it's really a lot about like your mental and emotional compared to like, I noticed when you're a player, it's really about the physical, but when you're a coach, it's a lot of like the mental and the physical that, that comes into it. And so it's, it's, it's very interesting being able to be on that, like other side of the game now, like being a player for so long and now being a coach, it's different. You're working on the game on a, a different side, a different perspective. And so. It's exciting. It's really, really awesome. And I'm grateful. I think we can speak for everyone, every one of those fans in that building that day, that the only one who was keeping it cool and collected were those on the bench because the rest of us were on the edge of our seats the whole game. It really was an awesome experience and, and an awesome tournament. And I'm actually so glad that I had the opportunity to experience it. Because even for myself, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect from everything from the level of hockey to what the tournament would look like to the play on and off the ice. It was an unreal experience and it is coming to Alberta next year to Grand Prairie. So I really hope everyone takes the opportunity to take it in. But for you, as you said, you grew up in that tournament, played multiple years, growing up and playing hockey, what was your experience like as an Indigenous girl in sport? It was kind of like a complex experience because I am Indigenous. I always grew up knowing I was Indigenous. My dad is a very proud Indigenous man. He's always made that known. But I didn't grow up very connected to my culture. I didn't grow up going to powwows or going to ceremonies. And I wasn't raised in my community either. For myself, being an Indigenous athlete, sports connected me to my culture for a long time because, you know, like this tournament, there's many other Indigenous sport tournaments, not just in hockey, multi-sport or there's Indigenous games that happen usually in the summers, but sports was always my connection to my culture. I grew up going to different sports tournaments and traveling to different communities to go play sports. So that was always my connection to my culture for a very long time. And because I grew up without my culture, I kind of lacked a bit of my identity when I was younger because I wasn't fully, you know, embracing being Cree and being Indigenous. Again, being an athlete was a huge part of my identity for a very long time and it still is. And that identity that I had as an athlete, as a hockey player, a dancer, a runner, that always gave me a strong sense of identity. And so... I feel like sport was kind of my bridge between reconnecting and learning my culture once I got to be a young adult because those sports spaces that I was always in with other Indigenous people, I've made so many lifelong friends and mentors and I've met so many role models from being in those spaces and competing at those tournaments. And I still play hockey today actually on a women's rec league with players that I played with back when I was younger on Team Alberta. And so it's nice that, you know, those tournaments and those spaces really, they connect you with people and connect you with lifelong friends and people that, you know, you may have never met if it weren't for sport. 
I had a bit of difficult experiences with playing sport and being Indigenous growing up. A lot of the times I would hear things like, oh, you're not good enough to play here. or Oh, you have to go play at those native tournaments. Like you should be playing here. But like things like that kind of made me feel a lot like I didn't belong in the sport spaces that I was in or I didn't fit in or I, I wasn't good enough. And I felt that a lot of times, but it wasn't so much like play on the field or on the ice. It was more so just like the comments and that the stereotypes and the racism that causes division because I was always a stronger player on my teams, but I felt just that racism, the discrimination and kind of just learned behaviors really is what made me feel like I wasn't good enough where I didn't belong. But once I got to be older and I learned about residential schools and colonization and just the different impacts of that, I really learned that these sport tournaments don't exist because natives aren't good enough to play in mainstream sport. They exist because a lot of our ancestors didn't have the opportunities to grow up playing organized sports than, you know, playing on teams like this that, you know, I've had the privilege to play on and I've had the privilege to coach. A lot of our ancestors didn't have those same opportunities and those same privileges. And so the tr truth and reconciliation, the calls to action, there's five different ones that are under the category of sport. I just think that the national tournament and a lot of these other sport tournaments, those are just a result of how hard our ancestors fought and worked to ensure that all Indigenous people have the right to access sport because so many of them didn't when they were growing up, you know, in residential schools or in their communities. They didn't have the same opportunities and the same access that we had. So it's just heartwarming to know that my ancestors and people fought hard to make sure to ensure that, like, you know, the future generations had a better experience than they had growing up. It's just, it's nice to be able to be a part of that and know that it's the product of how hard my ancestors have fought and what they wanted for us. I think it's just, it's a privilege and it's an honor to be able to participate and to coach and be part of these tournaments. Sadie McCocus, the captain of Team Alberta Female at NAHC, she had a very similar response in a question about what the difference was between playing at Canada Winter Games this year and the NAHC because she said that Canada Winter Games is great, but it was very diverse. Whereas when she came to NAHC, she felt extremely bonded with her teammates off the bat because everyone who is there comes from the same background. They come from the same experience and they're representing similar communities and similar demographic of people. She just felt that there was another level of pride in playing at the Aboriginal Championships and, and the Native Tournament. I think it's really interesting that we are still able to celebrate Indigenous cultures through sport like that. It's a fun way to bring everyone back to the culture because like you said, now there are a lot of people who are not growing up in it and it connects them to it. I know that, well, now that you've said that you didn't grow up in it, but here you are today and you've embraced yourself and your culture and learned a lot about it. Do you still feel like you're missing that piece of your identity when you hit the ice to play today? What's the difference now as a woman in sport? So today I feel like I'm definitely a lot more well-rounded within my identity. Obviously I'm still learning as I go and our identity often there's parts of it that will change throughout our life, but I definitely feel like I have more of a well-rounded full identity. I feel like it's helped me a lot with my cocky and the play. I remember when I was younger, I had a bit of a temper when I would play and I would take 
stupid penalties. I would retaliate. I wasn't the most disciplined player. And I would just let the other team like get under my skin and bother me. And, you know, I would be trash talking or I would just be taking penalties. And now that I'm older and I've, I've reconnected with my culture and I've learned more about just say, for example, the medicine wheel, like that mental, emotional, physical, spiritual aspects of your health, like just approaching myself as more of a holistic kind of whole person. I've been able to really work and improve on my mental and my emotional health from when I was a young kid and I was really dealing with a lot of mental health issues and just different traumas that I carried that I didn't even know I was carrying. But I notice now with my game, I'm a lot more disciplined. I don't take any penalties. Like I can go a whole tournament one weekend and not take any penalties. And that's huge for me. That's a huge improvement, huge step. And it's something I'm proud of. I can, I'm more proud to go like the weekend without taking any penalties than to score a goal. It definitely helped me a lot. Like just going to ceremonies more, going to the sweat lodge, sun dance thing, and being around elders and different knowledge keepers and being able to learn more about the culture and the different teachings and the foundations of our, our teachings and our ways of being. It's really just helped my mental and emotional aspects of my health. And so I'm a lot more disciplined I find when I go out on the ice and I just I have a different perspective within it too. I find I, I get more strength you know, when I'm out playing and if someone's trying to be play rough to me or if they're trying to trash talk to me or they're trying to get under my skin or bother me, I don't want to give in to that. I find I, I take a lot of pride in being able to like, you know, keep control of my emotions, my ego, my energy. And I don't want to let anyone else affect it or anyone get under my skin or bother me. I don't want to give away when I'm bothered by like, say the other team and the way they're playing, or if I'm bothered by the refs and the calls they're making or the fans and things they're saying, or just the other team, when I get bothered by that, it's like you're giving away your power and your strength as an athlete because you're taking away the focus and thoughts about you and what you're going to do in the game or what you can do for the game and what's, what's in your control. And you're giving the focus to them and how the other team's playing, what the refs are doing in the fans, that's all out of my control. And so what I now focus and worry about is just what's in my control. And that's my attitude, my actions, my discipline. That's within my control. Like that's what I can control. So that's what I try to really focus on now when I, when I approach the game and when I go play. And that's really what I try to teach the players that I coach too, is to focus on what you can control. There's so many things in the game that are out of your control. And if you're going to get bothered by it or get mad or get upset at it all it's going to do is take you off your game you're not going to be able to play your best because you're not worried about the refs and their calls or the other team and what they're doing I think the teachings of my culture has really really helped me to just be like a better athlete and this is something like I wish I would have known this when I was young and when I was playing I wish I would have had these teachings that probably would have helped me Maybe not as much as it is now when I'm an adult and you know I've, I've come full circle I'm really learning a lot but definitely the stuff that I try to teach the athletes that I work with. And I feel like that's a lot of what I try to do as a coach. It's just, I see myself in all of them, all these young athletes, I see myself in them. So it's like, I really just try to teach them and share things with them that I wish I knew when I was their age. So as an Indigenous woman playing rec hockey now, when people are trash talking you or anything like that, are you still experiencing racism in the game? For myself, personally, not so much. No, I think there's maybe been a couple times, but I did actually step away from the game for quite a few years due to just the racism and the politics and like just with certain teams when I was playing, I just felt like it was very political. I felt like within the female game, it was a lot about like 
who you know, or if your family had history in the club, or if your family had money, I noticed a lot, like just different things like that would factor into who made teams and who got cut. And there was just times through my minor hockey experiences that I felt like I got cut from teams or I didn't get as much ice time on teams just because of those different factors and like, you know, not growing up in a well-known hockey family or not coming from a family that had a lot of money and just noticing that other players I was playing with, say they had a family who were in the NHL or family who had been in the hockey organization for a long time or if their family had money, I just noticed like they would be making certain teams or be getting a lot more ice time. So once I finished my minor hockey years, I, I went to McEwen, Grant McEwen University and I played for the Griffins for a couple seasons there. But I think just really to that lack of identity and like lack of connection to my culture. It led to just a lot of mental health issues and feeling really lost and not knowing what I was meant to be doing here, not seeing a purpose in my journey or like I didn't really feel like I had much of a purpose. I just felt lost and I didn't know why I was here. I just had a lot of just kind of, I think, just kind of negative experiences with hockey that just pushed me away from the game for a few years and so I want to say around 2016 or so was kind of when I stopped. I played university for a couple seasons and I played a couple of seasons with just a junior female league over in Edmonton area. And then I decided to stop playing for a few years. And then I went back to the game in around 2020, I believe it was, after being away for a few years and kind of just missing it. I feel like too, like now that I've come back as like a coach, I feel like that's kind of like that full circle myth and coming back as a coach. I didn't have a lot of really strong female coaches when I was growing up. A lot of them were males or a lot of the females that kind of were involved with my teams were just like volunteer or they just kind of stepped up because no one else was going to. And so I never really had a lot of strong female coaches in my life other than honestly, when I played for the national teams, I had the coach, her name was Leah Cryer. She's from Musquachis over in Treaty 6 territory. And she was one of the very few, maybe one of the only like strong female coaches that I had growing up who really was very committed and very passionate at the role. And she was very knowledgeable. And she was very good at what she did. And it made me, it really just gave me that vision of females can be involved in hockey and they can be good coaches. For so long, I just felt like it was such a male dominated sport. I never really saw a lot of female representation. And even within safe female hockey teams, sometimes there'd be teams like Leon and it was like an all male coaching staff. And so I think just like for myself too, it's important to come back and just be that coach that I wish I had and, you know, be, be a good, like strong female coach, just a, a role model and a leader. And I try to really lead by example, both within hockey and, you know, just in life in general, I always try to lead by example. I feel like for myself, if I'm going to lead by example and be a strong female figure in, in the hockey space, I think it's just going to encourage and motivate more females and hopefully more indigenous females to get involved because I think we just we need more females we need more indigenous people involved in sports and especially hockey I feel like that's how we create that balance when you have too many men and women they create the balance so we can't have like a really male dominated space we need to have females in there to create that balance for sure and I think I feel like I always know this too that males and females are coached differently or they need to be coached differently but it wasn't until I took a training called Keeping Girls in Sport that it really showed me that framework of the difference in how they're coached. And so the training talked about with males, when they come to like a team, it's like they give their full 100% effort and then that will result in them having a good performance, which results in them being accepted within the sport space. 
Whereas with females, they first need to feel accepted for them to give their full effort, which will result in good performance. And so I feel like I kind of always knew that when I first started coaching, I was like, males and females, like they need to be coached, like doing like, you can't coach females the same way that you coach males and like vice versa. And so after taking that training, it was just, it was really refreshing and nice to see that framework laid out and talking about the differences. I think that you can really notice it when Jason, who was coaching Team Alberta Female, that was his first experience coaching the female team in a long time. and. That was the first thing he said was he didn't realize the difference between coaching males and females was so drastic. But as you said, representation matters. And the more females that we can get into those leadership roles and Indigenous females, the more the cycle is going to come back around and more people are going to give back and are going to realize that, oh, after I'm done playing, I can still be a part of the hockey world and coaching and administration and communications, whatever it may be. And one of the ways that you've also found your way is through the platform that you've created for yourself on Instagram. Kendra is known as at Kendra Jesse, and she's become an advocate for Indigenous women in sport and being active. How did you build your platform, Kendra? And was this always your passion topic or just through your self-discovery? Did it lead you to this road? For myself, sports was always a part of my life ever since I was young. My parents had me when they were quite young and my dad was always very passionate about sports, especially hockey. So I feel like my passion kind of got passed down and sparked from my dad and his love for passion for hockey. And he really he really, really encouraged me to pursue and to excel in the sport of hockey. And he had really, really big dreams for me. Like he wanted me to go play for Team Canada at the Olympics and go play down in NCAA Div 1 school. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. But I feel like everything happens for a reason. And that maybe have been my, my dad's dream for me. I feel like for myself, everything happens for a reason. And I think Crater had different plans for me. And I'm really happy with the path that I'm on and how things maybe didn't work out the way my dad wanted to, but I feel like they're working out in the way that it was like best for me. I have belief and faith that this journey is what's right for me, but just about that learning process too. And so with the social media, I feel like I never ever had intentions or goals or plans of like building a following or, you know, being on a social media space where I would like be able to share with hundreds of thousands of people just like, my visions and my knowledge and my goals and everything and just being able to advocate and create representation for Indigenous people and especially Indigenous youth in the sports space because I think a lot of what I do is just really a lot of it is trying to just give back for the future generations and those youth and being able to help them to create a better experience and a better future than what I had because I feel like there's just a lot of mistakes, a lot of lessons that I learned from when I was young and growing up. And a lot of what I try to do is just be able to give back and share that with the youth so that they can learn from my experiences, my mistakes. Because our story, a lot of elders I've heard talk about how sharing your story is like suicide prevention. Because there's things that you've experienced, there's lessons you've learned, mistakes you've made that when you share that with others, you can help them and, you know, you can create that suicide prevention. When people can relate and understand to your story, you're going to help them or you're going to give them that hope and faith that it's like, 
oh, well, you know, Kendra experienced this. She went through that and she overcame it and it helped her to be a better person. I can go through whatever challenge or hard time I'm going through and, you know, I can make it through. It'll, it'll be okay. I definitely never really had the goals or plans to really start with social media, but it wasn't until the COVID pandemic where I feel like a lot of people really were getting on social media and creating more content, especially with TikTok and all the like trends and the sounds and audios that are within the platform. I feel like that really, I kind of just started, I was just a lot of times like bored at home. And so I would just like be creating some content or we didn't have powwows for a long time with COVID either. So I wasn't really, I wasn't getting dressed up and putting on my regalia or dancing. And I hadn't done that for like several months. And I was in a really like low mental health place. and so. I had some friends who were just creating a lot of like content on social media, like getting dressed in their regalia. So they're kind of teaching me a little bit about the app. And I learned a bit about it. And it was just one day I was like bored. I was like, well, I'm going to make a video. And I started off kind of a transition. I was just in normal clothes. And then I did the transition and then I was in my regalia. And it felt really good to put on my regalia and get dressed up. And I, I danced like a couple songs just like in my apartment that I was living in. And it really just gave me kind of that a purpose and a reason to like get dressed up and put on my regalia to do something. And it, it made me feel good. And so I think from there, it just kind of worked that passion of like, oh, it, it makes me feel good. It gives me a purpose and a reason. You know, I, I don't have powwows. I don't have community events to go to right now and be in that space. I just started creating that content on social media, a whole kind of community of like Indigenous people within the social media space. And so that too, just being able to connect with different Indigenous people from across all over North America and even across like the world. It's really cool to be able to use those apps to like connect and create a community. And then um, just there's, I think, a bit of a responsibility that comes with having like a platform too, not having to, but wanting to advocate for things that are passionate about or things that I think people need to know about, like issues within the Indigenous community. For myself, I think there's so many different diverse issues that are happening within our communities. And I think when I first had my platform, it was like feeling peer pressure that it's like, I have to speak on everything. I have to share about everything, but quickly realizing that it's like, that's not my responsibility. And it's also not really my place just because I am indigenous. It doesn't mean I like am fully informed with everything that's going on everywhere. And sometimes it's not my place to speak on something. I can share content for maybe other creators or other people who are a lot more well-informed. But I just found that it started to be like just a lot of pressure to like have to post about everything and just learning that right away. That's not really my place. So I just started to really start advocating for things that I'm passionate about and that I'm very well informed on. That's for myself, it's sports and health and wellness and, you know, reconnecting to culture and dance. It just really is advocating for Indigenous people to really reclaim their health and their wellness because residential schools and colonization, it took so much from our people and not just our cultures and our languages, but also just the state of our health and well-being for a lot of Indigenous people. It's really been affected negatively by colonization in residential schools. I really just try to advocate for people to reclaim their, their health and their well-being because I know from like my traditional teachings that my ancestors were athletes and their cultures were really rooted in health and wellness and movement. And, you know, a lot of these modern kind of things that are impacting our communities, like diabetes and substance abuse and alcoholism and addictions and suicides and mental health issues. I know that it's a result of colonization and residential school. It's not because like our people are less than or 
they don't know how to take care of themselves. I know now from my traditional teaching, reconnecting and relearning that like our culture's health and wellness and movement. And I like to say a lot that my ancestors were athletes. I really appreciate going through your profiles because I think that not only the visual content you're creating is showcasing the culture and how you can be better and how you can focus on reclaiming your health and your mental health, but also you add in a personalized note on everything. So you add a little bit of, well, this is what I thought, and now this is my experience, and this is why I'm doing it. And so you're just producing authentic content that is spoken from the heart. I think you've set yourself up to be a great role model for women and girls in general, but also the Indigenous population and communities. At Hockey Alberta, we're trying to change the culture of the game and focus on being inclusive to everyone focusing on making the game a better place. How do we make space in the hockey world for Indigenous people and women? I think the most important place to start is education. My dad talked about this a lot. He's a, he's an Indigenous sports coordinator for nine different communities in Northern Alberta. He's worked in education for a long time in the Indigenous space. He always talks about that education is going to like change the world. When we properly educate people on the history and the truth. That's how things change because I know for myself, even growing up, I didn't get an opportunity to learn the truth about residential schools and the impacts of colonization and everything that happened. It's kind of just this nice little fairy tale story that I think a lot of people within North America that kind of all have learned that same story and that false history. And so I think with just properly educating people, I think that's how we're really going to be able to move forward in a good way because you can't change what you don't know. When you start to educate people and they now know the truth and the history, they can now decide what they want to do moving forward, knowing the truth and knowing the true history. They're now able to move forward and make that decision. I think most people, when they are properly educated, they they move forward in a better way. But I think it's just really that lack of education and just lack of understanding the culture and the history has really resulted in a lot of the racism and negative stereotypes against Indigenous people. That proper education and hiring more Indigenous people, more Indigenous people to be involved in sports. Growing up myself, I was often one of the only Indigenous people involved in my team. From players to coaches, trainers, managers, different staff that were involved within the team. Bringing in more Indigenous people, it really can break those stereotypes. Because I think people have a really kind of pan-Indigenous stereotype where they think we're all the same, all Indigenous people are the same, or they they don't know that there's a lot of unique differences within just the different cultures and, say, different areas that you live in. There'll be different types of Indigenous people from BC to Alberta to Ontario or out in the East Coast or up in the North. Everyone's different. You can't kind of have those same stereotypes for everyone when Indigenous people and youth see themselves being represented in space. They believe that they're capable of achieving it. But if you don't see yourself being represented in a certain space, you're not going to believe it. You have to be able to see it in order to believe it. So. If you're not seeing yourself represented, it's hard to believe that you're capable of accomplishing that or achieving whatever it is that you're working towards. When people are properly educated, I think that's how we're going to be able to move forward in a good way. It can come from even TikTok. Like TikTok has become a very educational tool to be able to learn about different issues that are going on within even just the Black community, Asian community, maybe Indigenous community, or like, you know, 
for example, like LGBTQ, those different communities, TikTok has become a good space to be able to learn about that and learn about people's lived experiences. With education, we think it's so formal, you have to go sit in a classroom or in a seminar and listen. I think it's as simple too as just storytelling. I know for Indigenous people, storytelling is a huge part of our culture. It is, it's a form of education for us. It's how our teachings and our traditions and cultures were passed on from generation to generation. And I think that's a part of the reason why I've been able to be successful on these social media apps is just having that story to like peace and being a good storyteller and being able to share my story or share things that I've learned on my journey. There's no better time than the present to start educating yourself. And June is National Indigenous History Month and June 21st is Indigenous People's Day. In your opinion, why is it important to celebrate these months and days? I think it's important just because for so long, our people were basically like illegal and banned. A lot of our cultures and our languages and ways of being, it was literally like considered illegal. You weren't allowed to practice ceremony, go to sweat lodges or night lodges or sun dances, and you weren't allowed to speak the language. And some people, there was a pass system that was enforced where you weren't even allowed to leave your community unless you had a pass from a government Indian agent. I think for so long, a lot of our people were forced to kind of hide and feel shame and feel negative things towards their identity and their cultures and their languages. For so long, we were made to feel that way. And so I think it's now, it's so beautiful and it's so important to be able to celebrate that and celebrate who we are as Indigenous people, celebrate our cultures and our languages, our resilience to all things that our ancestors face. And, you know, we're still here. We're still, we're still thriving. You know, we're still living. I think that's something to celebrate too, our beautiful way of life, our traditions, our cultures, and just the resilience of our ancestors to keep going, keep moving forward, even though they were facing hard times and being challenged. It's just important to celebrate ourselves as Indigenous people and our identities and who we are because for so long we weren't able to we had to like hide and be kind of put away and so I think it's nice to like now be able to to be proud and I think for myself growing up when I was younger I always had a lot of shame and guilt with my identity being indigenous and I often would wish that I wasn't indigenous or I didn't want to tell people I didn't want people to know that I was indigenous because I didn't want them to treat me differently or think about me differently or to say things about me because there was just a lot of negative stereotypes that existed about indigenous people that, that still do and I know when I was younger growing up a lot of people didn't look at me and think I was indigenous so I would hear people say like really racist negative horrible things about them right in front of me and then me being like, well, I don't want them to know I'm Indigenous and think that or say that about me. So just for growing up for a long time, feeling ashamed about my Indigenous identity and not wanting to share it with others, not wanting other people to know about it. And now that I'm finally at a place where I'm comfortable and confident enough to do so, it's like I want to like throw it in everyone's face. I want to bring it up in every conversation, every topic. And I want to represent all the time. I want to be wearing Indigenous clothing, Indigenous jewelry and supporting Indigenous businesses and brands and just just really celebrating the culture and who we are as people and all our knowledge, all our crafts and gifts and skills. So I think it's just important, I think, because for so long we weren't able to, to celebrate ourselves and be who we are. And now that we're able to, it's like important. You should embrace that and celebrate that. I think that the Indigenous culture is so beautiful. After the Aboriginal Games, I came home and I had the conversation with my grandma. I just think that the Indigenous culture, and like you said, not everyone is the same. And even when we say Indigenous, it means 
First Nation, Métis, and Inuit, and each peoples has a different set of traditions and beliefs. But I think that at the end of the day, that the Indigenous culture does do such a good job of sharing those stories and passing down from generation to generation. Even the symbolism of different colors and different designs. And those are things that get lost if we aren't sharing and if we aren't telling. I think the Indigenous culture is something that we want to thrive for many, many years to come because it is very beautiful and it's important to recognize the, the history of it too. With that being said, I think you're a tremendous role model for women and girls in the Indigenous community. And I know you do a lot of keynote speaking. So how can the listeners connect with you going forward? And even what's next for you? Where are you off to next, Kendra? I think to be able to connect with me, I have my social media platforms. I'm mainly on Instagram and TikTok and my handles on there. It's just at Kendra Jesse. Those are the main places I'm kind of on with social media. But what's next for me? I actually, after the, uh, the national tournament, I got asked to be part of the mission staff for North American Indigenous Games. So I'll be going over there to represent the Indigenous Sports Council of Alberta. So that's next month in July. So I get to go there for the games, the whole 10 days and be a part of the opening and the closing ceremonies and just go over there and represent Alberta and just help with the leadership staff. So I'm really excited for that opportunity because especially since NAG hasn't happened in years now with COVID, like I think it was supposed to happen in like 2020, but they had to keep pushing it back because of COVID. So it's finally happening now and it's a tournament. For those who don't know, it's the North American Indigenous Games. It only happens every four years. And so it's a big kind of games that brings together thousands of Indigenous people from across North America to come compete. And I believe there's 16 different sports this year. I went to the games when I was younger. I wasn't old enough to compete, but my dad really loved sports. So he wanted to go watch the games. And it was when it was hosted over on Vancouver Island in the Cowichan area there. So we went over to go watch the games. I remember being so thrilled and so excited and just seeing all these athletes and all these different types of sports and just being so excited. And so now that I'm able to go be part of the leadership staff, I'm really I'm really, really looking forward to that and being a part of that and being able to represent Alberta. But I'm also in the process of starting my own nonprofit so that I can start doing my own sports and health and wellness work within communities and starting programming for different youth or being able to, I have a lot of goals and plans with it. I feel like I'm excited to go to nonprofit route because I can apply for grants and funding to be able to host my own youth conferences or my own hockey tournaments and different initiatives like that. So I'm really excited to to get that launched and get that going this summer so that I can start doing a lot of my own hard work in the work that I'm really passionate about. Right now, I'm self-employed, so I'm just getting a lot of contracted and one-off type of work. It's nice to be able to work with a lot of different organizations that need a lot of different people. But I feel with my personality and just even my sign, I really like consistency and I like stability. I'm excited to be able to launch my own entity and start doing my own work that I can really just, just focus on me and my hard work and what I'm passionate about and what I really want to do within the community instead of having to kind of be contracted out and work under other people's contracts that I can start doing my own work. And so I'm really excited for that. That sounds like it'll be an awesome opportunity and something that will combine all your loves. That sounds very exciting. Lastly, Kendra, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question because we have to ask it to all of our guests because I love to hear the answers. 
But at Hockey Alberta, we live by the mantra hockey for life. So what does hockey for life mean to you? I think kind of just like being active for life and being like an everyday athlete who is competing for the sport of life. Like that's really how I try to live my life. So I feel like the word athlete is kind of misunderstood. I feel like people really associate it with being like a high level, like professional Olympic level type of participant in sport. But I think an athlete, it can just be someone you work out and you, you move your body like you're an athlete. Like you don't have to be playing at such elite level, elite levels to be considered an athlete. And so I just, I like to kind of think about that too. It's just like your world kind of everyday athletes training for the sport of life. Life's hard. It's like a sport. You have wins and losses within that and being active for life and just viewing yourself as you're an athlete and you can be involved. I think there's a big misconception too, I think with a lot of sports that it's like, once you're not an athlete anymore, like you're not, you're aged out, like no more. But you can be involved in hockey for life, whether it's like you're a player, you're a coach, you're a volunteer, you're a hockey parent. I love it. I agree. I think hockey can be a part of your life always. So thank you very much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything from National Aboriginal Championships to growing up as an Indigenous girl in hockey and finding your identity as a woman now and how we can make hockey a more inclusive environment. So thanks for joining us on the Centerized podcast, Kendra. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Hockey Alberta podcast. For this episode and more, head to hockeyalberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, email info at hockeyalberta.ca.